Well, this is week number seven in our summer series entitled The Invisible War. It's all about spiritual warfare. And uh, we've had our uh, imaginary Roman soldier all dressed up here uh, during uh, these sessions. So uh, here he is once again. We'll get him out front so you all can see him better. And hopefully I'll not knock him down. So here we go. I think we decided we were going to name him Blastus. Blastus, yeah. That was in the book of uh, Acts. We discovered that wonderful name. It was one of the uh, king's helpers, Blastus. Anyway, uh, we've been looking at the pieces of the armor that uh, the Lord has provided for us. And uh, we found that the very first attack of the enemy, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 6, because we're going to just slide right down, starts with verse 10. But the very first attack of the enemy is deception. And we've discovered that the uh, defense against deception is the belt of truth, the belt of truth, which would be the belt and these pieces of leather with metal on them that would be the Roman soldier's belt. Um, it protected uh, the delicate areas and it kept everything in place. Make sense? Um, the idea behind the Roman soldier's belt is you're going to be transparently honest with our general, with our commander-in-chief. Uh, before you get going on putting on the armor, we got to be honest and we need to be real with our general, and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm not going to deny or blame somebody else or excuse away my sin. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to take full ownership of my sin, and I'm going to carry it to the cross, call it what it is, it's sin, and I'm going to ask the Lord to make me clean and pure and in right relationship with him. So that's where... Our relationship with our general starts, and it makes sense. That's exactly where putting the armor on begins. I'm, I'm going to be honest and clear and right and stay in right relationship with Jesus. Uh, the second attack of Satan's army is condemnation. And the defense against condemnation is uh, all of this metal here. It's the breastplate of what? Anybody remember? Breastplate of... Remember the great exchange uh, we found in 2 Corinthians 5.21? Uh, Paul explains the great exchange. Uh, here's, here's what it's all about. Jesus took on all of our sin, all of our garbage, past, present, future, and then he put on us all of his righteousness. So now, literally, Jesus has imputed on upon us his followers, his children, his righteousness. So I need to know that all of the holiness, the sinlessness, the righteousness, all that I am in Christ is now who I am at core, Henry. I'm not who I used to be. I've got a new identity. I've got a new position. I need to know it and believe it and speak it. Make sense? That's the breastplate of righteousness. It's who you are now in and through and because of Jesus. The third attack of the demonic army is doubt, doubt. And the defense against doubting are the gospel shoes 
of peace, okay? We need to stand upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to stand on the, uh, the very footsteps of the cross, the place of the cross. That's the greatest demonstration of love in all of history. Jesus took your place on the cross. I need to stand firmly at the exit to the empty tomb. The greatest demonstration of power in all of history is right there at the exit to the empty tomb. So that's where I'm standing, and, and we know the enemy's going to hit us hard, and a lot of times we, we get doubting because I'm relying on my performance. I need to be good enough. I need to earn and merit all that I am in Christ. That doesn't go so well. Or I, I, I base my, uh, how I feel, my emotions. And uh, how, how do your emotions? It goes like this, right? And some days I'm feeling really good about the gospel and who I am. And uh, no, no, I'm basing it on the completed work of Jesus Christ. Okay? Stand firmly upon what Jesus has done for us. The fourth attack of Satan and his demons are fiery darts. And the defense against the flaming arrows of the dark forces. Anybody remember? What is it? It's the shield of... This is a Roman shield. And uh, when they saw the flaming arrows in the sky uh, about to hit, what did they do quickly? Oh, let's just take a nap. No, let's go for lunch now. Is that what they're going to do? You're going to grab your shield. And, and quickly you're going to do everything you can to get that shield between you and that flaming arrow. Okay? When, when you sense that the flaming darts, the arrows are coming at you, what do you got to do? You got to pick up your shield, and I would argue that Jesus and his word are your shield, and you need to literally hide behind who you are and what God's word says is true. Um, I'm not going to rely on my own thinking, my own understanding. Right now, I'm going to rely upon God's word. And you pick that shield up, and I'm ready to hold it up, and I'm ready to uh, allow that to take the blunt of the fiery arrows. Uh, last week, we looked at the uh, fifth attack of the enemy, and the fifth attack of the enemy is on our salvation. And it's an attempt by Satan and his army to disrupt and to distort the truth about our salvation in and through Jesus Christ. Okay? The defense against this attack is the helmet of what? Anybody? The helmet of? Okay, now, now you've kind of been helped, so everybody now, the helmet of? But salvation, that's more than just one thing. Salvation starts when the Lord Jesus, before he tossed the stars into space, Mike, he picked you. I want you to be a part of my kingdom team. Now, I understand that's a grace pick, right? We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But he, but he picked us. Um, and then at just the right moment, he got the gospel to us again and again and again. And, and now he gave us the faith to say, yes, I believe. And now I become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's justification. And now his Holy Spirit's working in our hearts and our lives and he's, he's molding and shaping us to become more and more like Jesus. You know what this is called? Sanctification. And he's moving in our hearts and our lives right now, today. And final piece of salvation is the best is yet to come. Did you know that, Verlin? And this isn't it. Aren't you glad? Um, someday we're going to be with Jesus face to face for how long? 
for all of each that, that's called glorification so now you need to ask is it where he picked us uh, before, before he tossed the stars into space is it when he saved us and we walked across the bridge by faith is it his working in our lives sanctifying work of salvation today or is he talking about glorification when he says helmet of salvation and the answer is wherever you're weakest wherever you're most vulnerable you know whether it's thinking about your past and who you are or if you're not doing so well today or maybe you got problems thinking about tomorrow wherever you're most vulnerable he's going to attack and uh, that's exactly where he's going after us now we discovered last last sunday the source of our salvation is a person and his name is jesus christ is the source of our salvation so how do I get my helmet on I got to stay close to the source I need to stay close to Jesus and as I stay close and abide and stay connected to Jesus as I stay full of his spirit that protects me against the attacks whether it's all the way in the back why would he pick me or I'm not sure maybe I was young and maybe I didn't really know what I was doing or I'm not living real strong right now or I'm really not sure about the future. Wherever you're vulnerable, are you ready? The source of your salvation is Jesus. Stay close. Walk daily. Abide. That's how you keep your helmet on. It's when we drift. It's when we wander. When we stray. And now I'm far away from Jesus. Now my head's not protected. Have you noticed when you're not walking close with Jesus... Suddenly now, my salvation doesn't feel very secure. Salvation is secure by staying close to the source. And what's his name? Say it one more time. Jesus Christ. Now the sixth piece of a Roman soldier's army, armor is the only fully offensive weapon we've been given. And uh, this is an interesting piece of armor. It's uh, called the sword. Specifically, if you look at verse 17, it says it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is, again, the only weapon where it's really meant to be offensive. All the other ones are defensive in nature. We can actually go on the attack, and we can actually advance against the enemy with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, we talked when we first began that I was going to challenge some of you to maybe commit to memory Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. I wonder, anybody uh, been uh, successful with that? Can I, can I see your hands? Is there anybody? Linda, you're working at it, but, but you're doing pretty well, okay? There was, I think, three or four in the first. Anybody else? Um, it's not too late. You can join us, okay? Uh, the water's great, and uh, I think it would be great to have this section of uh, knowing about the invisible war we're all in committed to memory, don't you think? be a great thing. Okay, one more time, we're going to stand and out loud declare um, what this uh, section's all about. Ephesians 6, we'll start in verse 10. We'll read all the way down through verse 20. This is God's word. This is what we've been talking about. Uh, it's... It's the uh, invisible war we all face. Read with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for giving us clear instruction. We clearly are at war with an enemy who's uh, stronger and smarter and uh, more uh, clever than any of us will ever be. So we just acknowledge on our own, we're going to lose this fight every time. You've made that clear in what we just read. So we need you and we need your armor. And my prayer for your church is that we get it that we'd understand the war, we wouldn't forget the battle that we fight, and Lord, that we'll learn to make getting your armor on a daily priority. That's my prayer for myself. It's my prayer for each and every one that's here today. So help us to understand the pieces of armor that we've already looked at, and today I pray that we'll get what this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Help us to understand what that's all about. My prayer is that we would be able to begin uh, not just understanding it, but being able to use this sword as you've outlined for us. We invite your spirit, Lord, the third person of the Trinity, to move and fill and take charge in your church right now. And I'm asking, Lord, that uh, your book, your word, and your spirit would come in combination today. And I pray that we leave different people today than we came in. So uh, we look to you, the living God of the universe, to come and do a work in our hearts and lives. And we pray all of these things in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. And all the church at Walloon said with joy in their hearts. You may be seated. Ephesians 6, verse 17. Remember, the only offensive weapon we're given, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, there were two types of swords a Roman soldier might carry. Uh, the first 
is a very large, very heavy, uh, we're talking bigger than a baseball bat, four foot long, uh, and it's called the broad sword. Now, the purpose of the broad sword was not to cut or to slice open. The purpose of the broad sword was to crush the enemy, uh, break bones, smash open a head. Uh, you would swing it much like a baseball bat, and you would just attempt to do as much damage as possible. Look at verse 17. That's not the type of sword mentioned here. Uh, take up the sword of the Spirit. Um, instead, the word used is the word uh, not Macarena. We're not going to do the Macarena today. Um, it's take up the Macariah, which is this smaller sword, uh, which was a couple feet in length, um, normally carried in a sheath, uh, typically attached to the belt. Uh, this thing would normally be kept razor sharp. I mean, like if you touch it much, you're cut. Uh, this was a weapon that required great skill, great precision. Uh, folks would use this, Roman soldiers specifically, when they were in face-to-face, hand-to-hand combat. Uh, when it came to that, you needed to have your sword ready, and you needed to be skilled. Um, I read some accounts, and oftentimes Roman soldiers would train for several hours a day with their Macariah. It was that important. It was that essential. I, I don't want to get in battle, and I don't want to be facing the enemy, and I didn't take time to practice. I, I, I didn't get the skill necessary to be able to use my sword effectively. Uh, they took this very seriously, this weapon. Now go back to verse 17. It says, it's the sword of the what? Sword of the Spirit. So is he talking about Holy Spirit, the sword of the Holy Spirit? Well, sort of. Track with me for just a minute. Um, we know that he's not talking specifically just about the Holy Spirit that resides here in all followers of Jesus. But 2 Peter 1 and verse 21 says that the Word of God, the Bible, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. You tracking? So first part of this is it's the Holy Spirit inspired Paul and Peter and Matthew and, and the writers of the Old and the New Testament to write down exactly what God wanted them to write down. Okay, so that's the first part. The second idea is this. And the Holy Spirit, which resides here, will help us find the right swords as we dig into the book. Make sense? So the Holy Spirit inspired these words, and now as we fight back and go on the offensive, the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom to find the right sword to use as we go on the offense and, and advance the gospel and advance the word of God. One more time, back to verse 17. It says, uh, the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. There are several different Greek words for the Word of God. The first is the Logos, 
You probably heard of that. The Logos. In John chapter 1, that's the word. In the beginning was the Logos, the word, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Jesus Christ is the complete word of God. And Jesus Christ has gifted us with his words. We call it the Bible, right? All 66 books from Gen Genesis to Revelation, this is the Logos. Does that make sense? So as you hold the Bible in your hand, from Genesis to Revelation, this is the Logos. Or I would argue this is the armory of God. So he's given us 66 books filled with all sorts of swords that we can look, can look over and find and discover and use. Now go to verse 17. There's another Greek word, and that is the word rima. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rima of God. Now track with me. Logos is all 66 books. A rima is a specific sword from one of those books, from one of those chapters, from one of those verses. So you would look over the entire armory and you would select a specific sword out of all of the armory. And there's lots of swords in God's armory, the Logos. Okay? And now the Rima, take the Rima, the Word of God, a specific sword, and now use it wisely and use it to, uh, to uh, go back and attack the enemy when he comes against you. Now, I want to show you what that means. Uh, we're going to look at the greatest swordsman ever, ever alive, okay? And uh, that would be um, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2, okay? We're not going to look at Zorro because he wasn't the greatest swordsman ever. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, and uh, I want to show you the greatest swordsman and using the sword, and he's at work. And he's going to show us exactly how to make use and find a rima. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Anybody ever gone even a week without food? I mean, I, 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 mean, I can't imagine. I, I sometimes struggle going 40 minutes without food. Uh, but anyway, he's hungry. And, and in the flesh, he's fully man, and he's fully hungry. Uh, now look at verse 3. Here's the attack. The tempter, Satan, came to him, came to Jesus and said, Hey, if, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become what? Bread. Yeah, turn it into some nice, hot, fresh bread. You're God. You're the second person of the Trinity. Um, He's tempting Jesus in his incarnation. He's fully human, and he's tempting him. I want you to use your divine power for selfish reasons. Go ahead, meet your, meet your physical needs. Hey, Jesus, if God the Father's not going to take care of you, well, then you're going to have to take care of yourself. Use your power. Take care of yourself. Here's what's interesting. In all of the Gospels, Jesus never once used his divine awesome supernatural power to take care of himself there were times he served others with his power 
but he never serves himself. He came to serve others and give his life as a ransom. So that's the temptation here. But Jesus reaches into the armory of God and he pulls out Deuteronomy 8 in verse 3. And notice what he says, verse 4. Here's what he's quoting from Deuteronomy 8 in verse 3. It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. <laughs> uh, Satan, all you want to get me thinking about is food, but I'm telling you there's food that's more important than physical food, and that's the food that we find in God's word. Where did he get that? Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. And, and we're going to find, I think Jesus was doing his devotions in Deuteronomy that week, okay? Because all three of his swords he pulls from the book of Deuteronomy. And, and he literally just quotes, this is the right rima, this is the right sword, no Satan, the Father's taken great care of me, I'm not living independent of him, I'm not going to doubt his goodness, I'm not going to take matters into my own hands, get out of here, Deuteronomy 8.3. Um, Satan doesn't give up. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, and notice now, Satan is quoting Psalms 91, 11, and 12. So Satan knows scripture. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you won't even strike your foot against a stone. Uh, just, just want you to know, Jesus, if you aren't willing to do a miracle for yourself, well, why not jump from the temple and have the angels catch you? Uh, ha have the Father send the angels and do a miracle on your behalf. Incidentally, from the highest point of the temple to the bottom of the Kidron Valley below it was about 450 feet. So go ahead, jump, and uh, let, let's see if the Lord catches you. So once again, Jesus hears the attack, the temptation, and now he's looking into the Logos, and once again he pulls from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. And here's what he says, Matthew 4, verse 7. It is also written... Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Uh, my job, your job, is not to test God and tempt him. Well, can, can you catch me if I jump from here? I'm not in the business, Jesus says, of presuming and demanding that the Father has to come through for me when I snap my fingers. I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to demand the Lord catch me. And yet, at times, we're pretty prone to do that, aren't we? Uh, Lord, I, I, I'm going to do this, and I don't know, I haven't really prayed much, but catch! And we jump. And then we wonder why sometimes we land flat on our face. Third attack. He's not done. Verse 8. This is the final attack. Um, again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Verse 9. 
All this I will give you, he said, if you'll just bow down and worship me. <laughs> He's tempting Jesus to take a shortcut. Do you understand? He's tempting. Hey, Jesus, you know, if we do it this way, you don't have to endure the cross. You don't have to go through the valley. You don't have to go through trial. You don't have to take on the sin of all of mankind. Um, uh, you can just worship me and the kingdom of this earth will be yours. So, so just go ahead, bow down and worship me. And this is kind of a, a shortcut. And once again, Jesus reaches into the armory of God's word and he pulls out another rima, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13. He pulls out verse 10. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm sorry, but you're not God. You're a fallen angel. I'm not going to worship you. No, thank you. The only one I'm going to worship, the only one I'm going to listen to is God the Father. <clears throat> Away from me, Satan. And three times, Jesus selects just the right sword from the armory of God. Did you see that? Just exactly the right sword from the armory, the logos, to chase off the enemy. We resist the devil. We send the devil running from us by countering his lies and his deceptions with the specific remas, specific truths from God's word. Psalm 119, 105. God's word, the Bible, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Have you discovered that this world is getting a little darker by the day? Have you noticed that? And, and as the world gets darker, I just want you to know, God's word shines even brighter. So, so I need God's word on the hard drive of my life, and now as I walk, I can stay on the right path, and I will not fall down and break my crown. That's what God's word does, and it, it's, it's a light for our path. And in this dark world, I'm telling you, we desperately need the light of God's word. For soldiers of Jesus, knowing the logos, and Henry, knowing the right remas, this is essential. This is like priority number one. This is a, literally a matter of life and death. And it's vital that we devote ourselves to becoming people of the book. I got to know this. Th this is something I can't live without. The attack is real. The attack is daily. And I got to know the remas so that I can ward off the attacks of the enemy. Please understand. Can, can I have your eyes for a second? I'm not lecturing you about legalistic requirements and you must and you gotta, and you gotta do seven chapters of God's word a day, and you gotta memorize this many verses. That's really not what I'm talking about. I'm saying in order to have good spiritual health, we need to be people, men and women, who regularly are, are digging in because this is how we can ward off the attacks and send the enemy running. Many of you are very, very careful about everything you put in your mouths. Uh, 
I, I just had somebody today, I said, would, would you like a package of uh, uh, vitamins to put in your water? And he said, no, no, no. I just take God's water as it comes, just straight normal. Don't give me, no, no additives. And I thought, oh, okay. Pays really close attention to, to what you put in your mouth. My challenge, do we pay as much attention to our spiritual health? Are, are you paying as much attention to making sure you're a student of the book and you know all the, the different uh, books of the Bible, but you're familiar with the different remas? And, and you say, but Pastor Jeff, I'm, I'm still new. And I, Well, are, are you a student so you're ready to keep growing and getting more mature and, and stronger in uh, in God's word. I want good spiritual health. Hebrews 4.12, here's what it says. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged, any guesses? Oh, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. Uh, I'll say it again. Jesus picked up just the right swords, the remas from the book of Deuteronomy, and he pulled them out sharp and alive and defeated the enemy with them that's our challenge is to follow his lead to, to follow his example and, and and learn and become the student that we must do to be uh, need to be touring all of the army old and new sections get to know the remas of the word uh, when we're attacked here's what i've discovered are you ready most of the time when I get attacked, I don't have a Bible in my hand. Most of the time when the attacks come, Henry, you know, you're at work or, or, or you're sleeping, it's the middle of the night, and, and now suddenly you can sense an attack coming and you don't have it, and you don't just hold up the Bible like a, like a magic rabbit's foot. Oh no, you can't get me because I got my Bible here. Well, even if you did, the logos, it's great, but you got to know the logos in order to use the logos. Make sense? And, and you got to become a student of the book if you're going to become a master swordsman. Now, I've told you this many times, but I, I come over here to the piano, and there's just something about piano, keyboard. Anybody, like, just always just wanted to play the piano? You know, and you just want to sit down and only have it sound good, you know, you know. Now, here's the deal with piano for me. Um, I want to play the piano, but there's just two problems. I don't want to take lessons, and I don't want to practice. I just want to sit down and be able to play, okay? So, so uh, what are my chances, do you think, Henry? What are my chances, Adam, that I'm just going to someday sit down and be able to pray, play. I, I, I think our Slim and what? His friend Nun. Why? Because I'm not willing to devote myself to, to do what it takes to become a good piano or keyboard player. C can I just tell you one more time? A lot of us, we say, oh yeah, Pastor Jeff, I know what you're talking about. I, I know I, I need to become a student of the book, um, but, but I, I just don't have time. I just don't have the energy. You, you don't understand, because I, I have a really busy life, and there's schedule, and it's hectic, 
and I got all these texts that I need to send and I need to read and you know emails they're coming at me left and right from everywhere and got the book of faces need an hour on the book of faces because you know you got to keep up with everybody and you know the Tigers are playing today and you know the Little League World Series is on you got television shows to watch got the internet to surf a little bit got it got to play my crush candies and I got all this stuff going on uh, I'd like to be a master swordsman, but uh, I just don't have time. Just don't have any energy left after all that I got going on. <laughs> now, just think with me. Uh, our families, our minds, our churches are under attack in many ways and many times just literally getting wiped out and destroyed. But I don't have time for the one thing that would give me defense against that? Do you see where I'm coming from? My, my, my heart's prayer for all of us that will overcome the excuses. <laughs> and I'm ready to do whatever it takes. Lord, make me a student of your book. Whatever it takes, Lord, I, I want to get to know this logos of yours. And, and I want to do whatever it takes to discover those remas I need to fight back with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can I just tell you, you're in, you're in a good place. If you've got that desire, we've got lots of places for you to go to, uh, to learn the logos, to, to learn where the remas are. But it starts with this, this one simple prayer, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you can count me in. I, I'm going to become an expert swordsman with your help. Shut your eyes. Bow your heads as we close. And uh, I'd just like you just to do a, a little inventory with the Lord right now. Um, I suspect there are some of you here today, you already made this decision. And right now, you're in process. You're, you're in the process of growing. And uh, you're in the process of becoming a student proficient at handling God's word. And if that's you, let me say, well done. Well done. Keep up the good work. If that's you here this morning, I, I think the Lord would say, nice job. Keep the priorities right. Hang in there. Keep going. Become a lifelong student of God's word, Genesis to Revelation. Well done, student. Good and faithful student. But I also know that some of you are here and that's just not the case. You know some, you know, maybe just enough to be dangerous. Um, and yet the truth is, you really aren't a student right now. You really aren't devoting yourself to the book. Um, that just hasn't been the essential priority of your life. Would you just be quiet for the next few moments before the Lord and let him... Uh, talk with you about what he has in mind for you.
Roman soldiers were often known to practice and drill for hours a day with their swords. Well, why would they do that? <laughs> it was a matter of life and death. When's the last time you spent an hour drilling with the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word? When's the last time you committed yourself to being a part of a, a class where you're going to dig in and you're going to work, you're going to study? And if you were going to make time to become an expert swordsman, what would have to change for you to make the time for that to happen? What would you show us? What, what needs to go? What needs to be adjusted? What priorities need to be reshuffled to make your book, your, your logos, the essential priority that it needs to be in all of your kids' lives? Lord, uh, we close now by recognizing that uh, you have gifted us with treasure. Matter of fact, uh, you call it gold. You call it better than gold, better than silver, and that's your word. That's, that's your swords that you've blessed us with. So make us hungry. The truth is some of us are here and we're just not hungry to, to study. We're not hungry to dig in. So maybe that, Lord, needs to be the first prayer. Make us hungry. Make us thirsty for your book. Um, may we be ready to do whatever it takes to become people of your book. Lord, uh, I, I pray that we wouldn't do that out of guilt, out of some legalistic performance mode. Lord, we do that because uh, we want to be diligent soldiers and followers of your son. We we want to make Jesus look good and we want to be able to ward off attack when the enemy comes against us. Pray that for each of my friends here today. And Lord, if there's anybody here today who's unarmed because they've never said yes to Jesus, they've never by faith walked across the bridge of the cross, Lord, would you convict them of their need of a Savior? Draw them to yourself. Open up their hearts and minds and ears to the finished work of your son Jesus on the cross for them. We love you. It's good to be in your house and worship you by uh, singing and by opening and studying your word together. We pray all this in Jesus' name.